Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, this morning, um, we're continuing our series on no-nonsense Christianity. Um, this is the, from the book of James, who was, as we've uh, established in recent weeks, the half-brother of Jesus. And James is trying to give the early Christian Jews in Jerusalem some instructions for living out their faith. We could think of it as becoming more mature. And today we have reached part 12 of our 15-part series. We're coming to the end of chapter 4. The part that we're going to cover is really a series of instructions about common mistakes. We could think of them really as warnings not to fall into some traps. And what I'm going to say, it really continues on the theme that Dan started with us a couple of weeks ago when he entitled his uh, talk, the thought-provoking, catchy title, Who's the King of Your Castle? He really challenged us through the words of James to think about submitting ourselves fully to God. Some of that will reappear in today's teaching. And then last week, uh, Steve talked to us about judging others and the risk that pride gets a foothold in our lives, and then we'll be slanderous towards others. But today, the verses really address our attitude towards the future. We already know that James has a direct style, but as I've read it, I've come to like his style, in that I've seen it as being like a critical friend. You know the one who won't just say, well, everything's nice and fine, and that was good, but rather will be honest enough and take the risk to, to point out how I could improve or how we could improve. So let's read together uh, chapter 4, just a few verses. It's on the screen. That's great. Starting at verse 13. Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go to this city or that city, Spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why, you do not know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast and brag, and all such boasting is evil. Anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, sins. So, what does the future hold? Well, we know that forecasting the future is big business. There's astrology and palm reading and all sorts of things out there. But the reality is that none of us know. And of course, as Christians, we reference God in that, don't we? We believe that he's our creator, our controller. He's the one that's in charge of everything. Yet I wonder, do we always do something more than just reference God? So the first mistake that we can make is in verse 13. It says, now listen, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go to this city or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. 
in the Greek it says, you who are in the habit of saying. Just imagine two businessmen having this conversation. They've got their plan all sorted. It's a fait complete, isn't it? Where they're going, how long they're going for, and what they're going to achieve, which majors mainly on profit and financial gain. There's not one single mention of God. Now, let's be clear. James is not saying that the planning is wrong. In fact, Proverbs instructs us that if we don't plan, we are a fool. So we need to take responsibility and be organised. And indeed, I've been on a number of courses around setting goals, planning, time management and the like. And I know many of you will as well. Planning skills that we pick up in our secular jobs perhaps are actually really useful in church and in other aspects of our lives. We are particularly grateful to Martin on our group of leaders for his financial experience over many years. And if Tim Rawlings were here right now, he would be shouting, here, here, from the back row. You can ask us later. I don't think that James is saying we can't dream dreams either. You know, we sometimes get an idea in our head. Maybe for our younger folk, it's perhaps about a career. You hear about something. I've got an eight-year-old, and sometimes he wakens up in the middle of the night screaming, Goal! And at that point, he's dreaming that he's in a red jumper. And sometimes that's the Ashcroft school jumper that he used to wear at infant school. But more often than not, it's Anfield, and he scored the winning goal for the Mighty Reds. What James is saying, I believe, is that boasting is an outward symptom of a heart problem. See, planning without God takes our focus off God's values and God's ways. And then we lose the focus on God, and where does the focus go? It goes on me. Me means selfish. Me means more. Before we know, we can go down that trajectory and be caught off guard, where we might even get to that end point uh, that James points out to us in verse 16 of the boasting and the bragging that James describes to us in this passage as being evil. He wants the Jewish Christians to get the message that it's wrong, it needs addressing, and it needs changing. Steve reminded us last week that the world often accuses us as Christians of being both hypocrites and judgmental. Now, the example before us is in business. And I've heard individuals say, I don't believe in mixing business, that happens in the week, with faith. And if I'm really honest, I think I know what they might mean. You see, it can get and it will get blurry and messy round the edges. But all business is God's business. And perhaps this is an example from God's word where if this is relevant to us, then that's something that we can work on. Go on working out those issues. How we live out our faith in the everyday amidst the busyness and the pressures and everything else. 
an opportunity to work it through, become more mature, more steadfast in our faith, to put down deeper roots. You know, I describe James as a critical friend. And for some of us, maybe the business example doesn't really relate to us. But perhaps we are that true friend to draw alongside someone else and help them work out some of the issues in the light of God's teaching and God's way. You know, for all of us, let's not get caught up in paying lip service to Jesus on a Sunday. You know what's so easy, isn't it? It's so lovely to sing that we'll give him the highest place in our lives. And then Monday morning the alarm goes off and somehow we exclude him from many, if not all, of our plans until we're getting ready for the next Sunday. You know, when we do that, we really are being hypocritical. It's really practical atheism. Proverbs 16 verse 1 reminds us that we make our plans but God has the last word. And in verse 9, it continues that we should make our plans counting on God to direct us. So what is going to be the solution? Well, I think it's fairly obvious. We need to include God in our goal setting. We need to talk to God. We need to pray. We need to find time to do that to go beyond the shopping list prayers, the first level. We need to work at being God-sufficient and recognize quickly and confess and deal with those times when we are self-sufficient. We need to stay humble. And in chapter 4, really my favorite verse, I think, is verse 10, where it says, Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. He won't let us down. So we need to keep our focus on Jesus each day. And we need guidance to do that. So where is this guidance going to come from? Well, someone said that 90% of the direction that we need is in God's word. And as we get on with following that, then the rest of the 10% will become apparent to us and will fall into place. You know, sometimes I think I may be, or we may be, looking for something more than that, something somehow super spiritual perhaps. And sometimes I think that we almost fear God's plan, as if he wants to take everything away, when actually his plan for our lives is an expression of his love to us and for us. So this scenario that James writes is all caught up in me, as I've said. Greed, pride, boasting. Those are worldly values. And so for us, it's a warning about worldliness. You know, the world speaks loudly and says, you can do it. Just pull yourself together and work harder, work longer. The Bible says, let go and let God do it. The world says you need to change your attitude. Just toughen up a bit. The Bible says you need a change of heart. Turn, and that will turn your values upside down. 
The world publishes lots of books on building our self-esteem. The world says poor self-esteem is weak and sinful. The Bible, and I think this passage today to some extent, is trying to tell us that excessive self-esteem is wrong. So, do our actions and decision-making and approach to the business of our lives reflect the Bible's teaching? In other words, do we walk the talk? You know, I want to move on that maturity spectrum from that deference beyond the reference point to the deference where I want and I accept God's will in my life. I want to consistently have moved beyond the deference to a preference. A preference that I want God's will in my life more than anything else and that I deeply desire it 24-7. And so I pray. I guess many of us want that and we pray. God, help me to do what you are blessing. I want your plans in my life because your plans provide success in my life. But you know what? I am far from the finished product. And sometimes I put in, P.S. God, help me to come to that place of not needing to count the cost. And sometimes there's P.P.S. with me um, and help me that I don't need to understand or to see every part of the way. So the first problem It's very much planning without God. We will overcome that by including God in our life, every aspect of it. Now, I've taken quite some time to develop point one. You'll be relieved to know that the other two are shorter. And that's really because once we grasp, I think, the lesson in the first point, the rest falls into place. And if we read on in the passage, verses 14 to 16, Why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this and that. As it is, you boast and brag, and all such boasting is evil. So the second mistake that James is pointing out is that we can presume about tomorrow And that's a mistake because life is both unpredictable and brief. The two letters in the middle of the word life are I and if. And that reminds us that life is very iffy. You know how it is? The world sells us that dream existence where more money would give us more things, more happiness. And that we are aspiring to get to that place sooner rather than later where we can relax and enjoy ourselves all the time with no worries and no problems. The reality, of course, is that none of us has any guarantee of security or perpetual success. And we all can call to mind just now many personal examples of friends and families and personally how lives have changed through a change in health or jobs. We had it in our town, Tamworth was affected by the recent terrorism attack in Tamworth, in Tunisia, sorry. Natural disasters and accidents. 
that changes lives and futures in an instant. You know, we sang the Casting Crown song because um, it reminds us that we're like flowers quickly fading or vapor in the wind. James says that we are a mist. In Greek, that's the word atmos, from where we take the word atmosphere. You know, when you're at the seaside, you long for the sun to come out in the morning, don't you, and burn the fog off the sea so that the sky and the sea lines separate. Sometimes you, you just go off and do something for a few seconds and then it's gone. It reminds us of how temporary our lives can be. Proverbs 27 verse 1 reminds us not to boast about tomorrow for we do not know what a day will bring forth. When we're trusting God, then we find security in this reality and in the truth that God is in control. And Johann Manga, who was a German theologian in the 19th century, said, This right frame of mind will make us submissive and satisfied with the frustration of our most cherished plans and desires. This right frame of mind will make us submissive and satisfied with the frustration of our most cherished plans and desires. Jesus told a parable in Luke chapter 12 that I think helps us understand some of the instruction that James was seeking to provide. Let me read for you. And Jesus told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be de demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with anyone who stores up for himself but is not rich toward God. I know that's a passage that we're very familiar with. But what was interesting to me this week, as I was thinking about today, was that then the passage continues on straight into Jesus' instruction to his disciples about not worrying. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. Life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? Then it goes on, and in verse 30 it says, For the pagan world runs after all such things, and your Father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom. 
and these things will be given to you as well. And when you go home, I would encourage you to read all of that passage uh, from verse 22 in Luke 12 through to the end of verse 34. There's some tremendous promises there to us. Jesus was instructing the disciples not to worry. But, you know, I think if we're honest with ourselves and we're honest with one another, sometimes the things that happen to us in life, particularly those things that come along unexpectedly, are extremely stressful. And those true friends, like James was seeking to be, I believe, can pray with us and they can pray for us and can make such a difference. In those times in life, I am thankful for my life group and for the people that God has placed alongside us. We're not on this Christian journey on our own. And if you're not in a life group, then I would encourage you to think of getting connected with some other people who will be willing to to listen and to try to help. So the solution to our second problem that we have is very much to make the most of today. Realizing that we can only live today, we can't live the future, but we should live as if the end is near, and indeed we should love as if the end is near. And that brings me on to the third point. The third mistake that James is pointing out in these verses is putting off doing good. Verse 17, right at the end. Anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, sins. Well, it's so easy to procrastinate, isn't it? To put the things off, lose time and focus, and miss opportunities. Now, in my planning attempts, I use this little document to to help me. It's my diary. I shan't open it last week because there's no white left on the page and it really is quite a menacing embarrassment to me. But it does at least help me reduce the amount of time that I waste. I can still manage to waste some, some of the time. When we read this verse, let's not get caught up in thinking, well, we're okay because we don't commit wrong things. You know, we're not breaking the second half of the Ten Commandments, such as stealing or lying or murdering. Let's not get caught up with comparing ourselves with other people and thinking that, well, somehow we must be all right because we're better than someone else. That was part of our focus last week. Rather, this is about making sure that we're not omitting, we're not not doing anything that we could be doing And we could be doing it now. We could be seizing the day and getting on with it. Proverbs 3, verses 27 and 28 say, Do not withhold good from those who deserve it, when it is in your power to act. So don't say to your neighbor, Come back later. I will give it to you tomorrow. If you can do it, do it now. So the solution then is to serve others. Our lives are short and we need to be investing them in things that will outlast our mortal days on earth. And what is that? Well, 
It's God's word and people. So how can we serve people? We're all in a different place on this journey of faith. So are we asking the Lord? Are we staying in our comfort zone? Or perhaps thinking about doing something new that would free up a space for someone else to access a a role or a service that they might feel comfortable with. You know, we've already had the the marketing play from the front or the the, Linda so eloquently uh, reminded us of, of the need that there is for volunteers in the coffee shop. And... I very much this week, uh, as I was getting ready, wanted to say that if you're new or you're relatively new, then just please come along and join us. Find a way to, to fit in. Come and have a conversation about how you can help in the work that we're involved in. This is a great time in the calendar before we get everything started up again for September. There's the coffee shop, but there's every end of the spectrum from the tots and the kids to the teenagers right through to our older folk in prime time. And please never look at some of us who stand at the front more than the rest and think, well, I could never be like them or I I wouldn't have much to give. We're all different and it is such an encouragement when more people come on board And together, with more help, whether that's physical, human resource, or financial resource, we can do more to proclaim Jesus across our town. I've been talking about the next step, and we're on this spectrum of maturity. And maybe you are sitting here wondering, first, when she's going to stop, and second, What on earth is she on about? What is this? What is the first step to get on the journey? How do I start it? Well, we start, it's very simple, by deciding to follow Jesus. It's about establishing that relationship with Jesus as our best friend and as our master. It's about saying sorry for being self-centered And then reaching out and accepting his gift of everlasting life so that he becomes our saviour and our Lord. Jesus doesn't turn anyone away. And it's the best decision that any of us could make. And today is a great day to draw that line in the sand of commitment and not to waste any more time. Some words of Rick Warren that I think are relevant to all of us today. Life isn't about finding yourself. It's about finding your creator. The closer you get to God, the clearer everything gets. Life isn't about finding yourself. It's about finding your creator. The closer you get to God, the clearer everything gets. Well, I'm nearly done. I was um, driving along the Cumberford Road on Wednesday evening last week, and it started to rain. Now, I was on my way home from the train station, 
And when I stepped into the car, the car was like a greenhouse. It was bright and sunny. But in an instant, halfway along the Comfort Road, the road conditions changed. There were large raindrops that affected the visibility. And very soon, the rain gathered as quite a lot of surface water. There was a learner driver in front of me. I could see clearly that they were learning because they had two L-plates stuck on the back. They slowed right down. And their instructor kept talking, leading and guiding them through the steps that they needed to do. I watched and I kept well back off the bumper, you'll be relieved to hear. It crossed my mind that it had been a long and draining day and I was hungry and it would be nice to reheat some pasta from the fridge. You know, it was the slowest journey along the Cumberford Road I can ever remember. I often take my son along that road at significant speed just before the school bell rings. But you know, in this rain and storm, the learner driver persevered. They didn't stop or pull off the road. If I'm honest, at times I could probably have walked more quickly. But that little voice in my head whispered, disciple means learner. Just like the driving instructor, you need to listen to me and you need to let me help you through the unexpected storms and every other day. I'm so glad that the Lord is full of mercy and patience. And you know, he whispers, to each one of us. This is the day that we can say yes to Jesus in a new way. Maybe for the first time, yes, Jesus, I want you in my life. I want to be your follower. Or maybe we're saying, Lord, help me not to plan without you. I want to know what your will is. Help me to plan for tomorrow but live in today to not worry but to trust you. Or maybe we're saying, Lord, help me to do what I know is right today and take a new step. It would be really good if the band could come back and, and rejoin us. Thank you. Uh, we're going to sing now, in a moment, um, The Potter's Hand. This is one of um, my favourite songs. And this is an opportunity for each of us to use the words as a prayer, as we submit to God. And you know, I am sure, more sure than anything else, that he will give us peace and security and the right attitude towards the future. There's still time for all of us. I thank God that there's still time for me, that the clay hasn't set yet. Thank you.